Welcome to Always Authors, the literary podcast that presents two authors in candid conversation. On this episode, we're excited to bring you award-winning novelist John Mars, a journalist-turned-thriller writer whose latest novel, The Stranger in Her House, to be released in February, has already been optioned for television. John has a speculative fiction novel called The Family Experiment, which will be released in 2024, and another new thriller, You Killed Me First, set for a 2025 release. John is joined by award-winning author Jennifer Hillier, author of seven psychological thrillers, including Little Secrets, which is being adapted for Peacock, and Jar of Hearts, which was shortlisted for the Anthony and McCavity Awards. Her latest novel, Things We Do in the Dark, was described as an intoxicating thrill ride by the New York Times. These two friends discuss their latest novels, how they write while raising families, and the difference between thrillers and speculative fiction. You may even hear which question they hate being asked the most. Inspiration starts now. Hello, Jennifer. How are you? I'm good. How are you, John? I'm good, thank you. So just for the benefit of the listeners, I suppose, we, we've never met in person, but we have um, spoken. Because over on my Instagram, I do a 60-second yes. interview each week with, um, with writers that I like who I've read the books of. And you were very kind. I think you did. Was it early on this year you did one for me? We did it early. I, I feel like I'm one of the early ones that you did because yeah. you're, it's so popular now with that series. Yeah. Yeah. They're fun to watch. They're good fun to do. It's like it was just it just started off as a way of um, I didn't have a book out for such a long time. And it just just for a bit of content, really, for Instagram. And then it really took off. And I think it's probably more popular than my books now. You know what, though? It doesn't feel like you haven't had a book out for a long time. Like, it didn't feel like that then. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I see your name everywhere all the time. So you're very much in the the conversation. I'm I'm omnipresent. You just can't get rid of me. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so we did one of those. And I just, I really liked you. So when they asked me if I I wanted to do one of these, you were actually my first choice. And thankfully, you said yes. Otherwise, my second, third, fourth choice would have been a bit awkward, wouldn't they? You know, it's easy to, well, yes. Um, and it's easy to say yes when the person is someone you talked to before and that you like. Yeah. You know, because I'm very much an introvert. And so when I get an invitation to do anything, my mind thinks of five reasons why I can't do it. Really? Um, and reasons, meaning excuses, just to wiggle out of it because I'm shy. Like, I, I don't. But when it's a friend, and I consider you a friend even though we haven't met in person, um, because I see you all the time, like, online. <laughs> Uh, it's easy because it's like, well, I know that I'm not going to, you know, not enjoy this. Um, I like talking to you, so it's good. Ah, can we talk about your the introvert side of things? Because in this day and uh, age, it's getting harder and harder to be an author who doesn't necessarily like going out there and putting themselves out there. I'll just say from my experience, I hate yeah. it. So I, I did my you do? Story. Okay, so it's not just me. <laughs> No, I did my first ever book evening um, with another writer, a British writer called Mark Edwards. Who, and I know Mark. Uh, Mark's a good friend. Yeah. yeah. And so the <laughs> you as well. And that's the only reason I agreed to it. So I've managed to avoid it, doing it for 10 years. And as much as I enjoyed it, it hasn't how, made me want to do it How have you not done it? Like how? I just said no. You... Thank you every time. <laughs> I know, but do like... you give a reason? Like do you think no. of an elaborate reason? Or do you just very calmly say... No, like, sorry. It's not my thing. Yeah. Oh, you say I just don't, I don't feel comfortable doing it. So what about you? I Well, you know, it's funny. So during the pandemic, when we would everything switched to virtual, mm. I thought it was great at first because I'm home. 
I don't, I can wear pajama pants, you know, no one knows like what's happening below, <laughs> below the waist, <laughs> <laughs> which no one should know about anyway, but. Just um, this sounds really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going the way I wanted to go. Um, but I did, I think I did 80 virtual events for this book because it was, I just kept saying yes to everything because I got so many invitations because it was so easy for people to connect. Yeah. And weirdly what that did is it made me better at talking about books because up until then, I think I was awkward. And when you talk about it and you talk about it and you talk about it, you get more practice. And so then the first conference that I went to when things opened up again, which was Thriller Fest in New York. Um, I'm usually a basket case before a panel. I hate them. They, I lose sleep over them. It's a terrible thing. My entire weekend is, is pinpointed by these events I have to do that I, that I make myself sick over. Um, and I wasn't worried. I kind of went in, I'm like, oh yeah, the panel today. And I'm like, wow, so the practice, mm -hmm. uh, I think just talking and talking uh, was better, but it's still not my preference. And I, my knee jerk reaction is still to wiggle out of it. So, I mean, I have to, I just can't believe that you went all this time being a published author uh, and never did anything in person. Cause I saw that on your Facebook and I saw that you were with Mark and I thought perfect grouping. The two of you are so good together, but it's like, how did you, <laughs> how have you gone this long? But I'm, I'm impressed by that. Actually, I thought I didn't have to say yes at some point. Things I go to a lot of the festivals over here. And okay. I really enjoy, and I pay to go to them, and I enjoy being part of the audience. Yep, and occasionally same, I'll ask, occasionally I'll yep. ask a question. Um, and I, sometimes I put myself in the position of the people on the stage, on the panel, mm -hmm. and I kind of think, right, how would I answer this question? And most of the time, I just think I would not be able to answer it. I think sometimes people ask questions that are so deep, and they've like interpreted your work in such a really deep way. And I'm such a, <laughs> shallow, I'm such a shallow person that... Um, <laughs> Like, give me okay thinking. give me an example of a question like that give oh, me an example have, if you can think of one not to put you on the spot but someone from like a new a new york publication interviewed me about the one a few years ago and they were asking okay. me all of that and so the one is about um dna yeah. and find your yep. true love, love that book. DNA. Yep. um and I can't even remember exactly what the question was, but it involved both DNA and inner psyche, and there were just loads of words that were thrown around. And I felt like I felt like if you ask Homer Simpson a really clever question, and Homer Simpson, you've got like monkeys with symbols inside his head. Me, <laughs> and I basically I learned to answer the questions that I want to be asked rather than the ones I actually am. <laughs> And I also find if you, find if you, you ramble pivot, off, right? Like you, you change it and your answer morphs yeah. into the thing you know about. <laughs> yeah. And if you ramble on long enough, people forget about what you <laughs> They forget before. what they asked you. Yeah. I have actually been on panels where I have done that and lost track of what I was trying to say and had to say um, because everyone's staring at you. Uh, sorry, could you repeat the question? And it's yeah. such a, oh God, you feel so stupid when you have to do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we're writers, right? We're not necessarily experts. <laughs> yeah. We, we make like... a lot of stuff up. Come oh, on, yeah. people. We do, yeah. right? I don't mind doing um, Zoom book clubs and Zoom interviews and stuff like that. It's fine because I can just, yeah, just like sit here and... You just, yeah. Right. Yeah. Chat. yeah. Yeah. I'm but even those, you know, make me nervous because you never know if someone's going to like your book or ask you a really hard question. And, yeah. and my memory is like... I have the attention span of a whatever these days. And so if they ask about a book that I wrote like years ago, like, oh, yeah. 
when you made this decision to have her do this, you know, what were you thinking? And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't remember now. So you make something up if you can. And sometimes I'm just honest and go, I honestly can't remember what my motivation was. But that's not what they want to hear, right? And as writers, I think we're supposed to be a little bit more polished than saying, I don't know, I don't remember. I, if I'm doing Zoom interviews about books, so when The One came out on Netflix, um, it was all really yeah. exciting. I did loads of publicity for it. I want to talk about that too. So let's come back to that too. But keep going. It, it was years. Um, I'd written the book years ago. I couldn't remember the name of any of the yeah. characters. So I actually had to have them written around, <laughs> around the screen and post-it notes everywhere so that I could remember who was oh, who in that relationship. Funny. Yeah. So, okay, so let's, for people who are listening and, um, you know, are not super familiar with your book going to Netflix, can you, mm. can, like, tell me how that happened? So my first three books were self-published and the third okay. one was the book called that eventually became The One. And yeah. um, a scout who uh, saw the book on Amazon, it only been like self-published for about a week, um, said, hey, read this, really enjoyed it. Um, I've got like various clients I work for. Um, could you, you know, would you be interested in me putting it to them? I was like, yeah, okay then. I'm not going to say no. Amazing. And then anyway, um, it, went to, yeah, yeah. it went to a production company who said yes. Um, and they'd originally pitched it to a British TV channel and they'd written loads of scripts and it was almost past the finishing point. And then the British TV channel said, no, we don't want it. Oh, oh okay. Oh. But, um, okay, yeah. The next people they went to was Netflix, and Netflix said, "Yeah, we'll have that." Um, oh my god! Like, there was a lot of rewrite. I had nothing to do with it, but there was a lot of. So rewrite. you didn't do any script, nothing. No, were you a consultant? Like, did they ask for your feedback on anything? Nope. They just interpreted your I, stuff. No, nope, I never even met the writer. Never even spoke to the writer. Wow. Which, yeah. kind of, when I'm looking back, it might have been a, a bit of a rookie error. I think, mm. but I was new, mm-hmm. I was young, not young, that's a load of lies. I was young-ish, um, <laughs> and I just kind of went with it. It was just exciting at the time, um, and it ended up like, well, people, yeah. the first people, people who got written for it, Netflix, they left, though, someone else that had, took charge, they wanted a different version of it, and the final version was so very, very different from the book, from the which book. So- some people loved and other people maybe mm. weren't. Some people are purists, you know, and they don't like it when things deviate no. from the book. Um, and I usually am one of those people, but sometimes, you know, it's entertaining when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, what, I'm trying to think of an example of, of adaptations that I actually liked. Um, like Caroline Kepneys, she wrote the You series, you know, yeah. uh, that's on Netflix too. Yeah. Um, I felt the first season was really very true to her books. Then it kind yeah. of deviated from there, but I actually enjoy both equally. It's, but it also, in a way, doesn't feel like her work. And if I ever get to meet Caroline in person, I want to ask how that feels for her for it to be so different than what she wrote. But I mean, so how did it feel for you? Were you bummed that, or did it not feel like yours at that point? It didn't really feel like mine. It was quite Mm -hmm. exciting. We took, um, we got got the first, I think, two episodes about two weeks before they aired on Netflix and we got to watch them at home. And I, I, want, yeah. I want to watch filming one day as well and meet the cast and stuff like that. And right, it was just right. it was really exciting. And just like, if it yeah. never happens again, then that's absolutely fine because I've had something on Netflix and it's just like You've amazing. had, I mean, it's street cred. You'll forever be <laughs> that Netflix. <laughs> Honestly, you. right? You have it happen once, you can tell everybody that story, which yeah. is amazing. But it was the first so, okay. time, it was the first time ahead, I ever had, it was the first time I ever had people emailing me to tell me how much they wished I hadn't allowed it to be on tv so <laughs> so different. 
honestly, the stick I got from some people. And then how can you apologize for that? Because it's like, it's, you know, yeah. it wasn't your choice. No, so, my, stand, mean... my standard answer is I took it in the direction the book, as far as it would go, and yeah. they took it in the direction they wanted to go in, and, you know, they both can sit side by side. Yep, exactly. I hear that. And, um, okay, I have a question from a writer's perspective. Actually, just as a writer to another writer, you do not have to answer this question. You certainly don't need to provide details. But did you find that having a Netflix show, did it help your sales for that book or for future books? It definitely helped interest, yeah. It helped sales, okay. particularly, particularly in America. The only thing that was okay. slightly only slightly the thing that was slightly irritating was that um you know when it on Netflix it gets to the next episode part and it'll flick. Yeah. My name was on the screen based on a book by John Mars for about half a second before it went <laughs> to the next episode. <laughs> and there's no opening credits. It takes you to the next thing before people have a chance to yeah. process. <laughs> yeah, so I've learned in contracts now. So I've had a few of the books that have been on at the beginning. At yes. the beginning. Yeah. When people are I... ready and paying attention. Yeah, because didn't I read that Little Secrets was being adapted? Is that right? It 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 is. I don't know. Actually, I have no updates on that. I'm very mm. out of the loop, and sometimes I Google it to see if there's anything new. Because people will forget to tell you what's happening. Um, mm. As far as I know, there was a script in the works, but then there was the big writer strike that yeah. happened, and so I think everything got got put on hold. As far as I know, and I I really I don't know. I mean, I, I've Having been through, down this road before, because uh, my the book before that one, Jar of Hearts, was option two, um, and it went nowhere. I understand that most of the time these things will go nowhere. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like you said, you know, like it's out of your hands, really, and, and it happens, and it's great if it does. And so I haven't thought about it too much, but it would be great um, if it happened. But I haven't heard any updates, um, although it is exciting to be sort of, you know, three degrees separated from you know miley cyrus that's pretty cool because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> her mother's production company that optioned it so <laughs> or that got it and that sold it basically to nbc uh, yeah. peacock i, I think so. if it, it does make a show we need to have you on a screen swinging like a wrecking ball from one side <laughs> to can you imagine i don't know but you know again you think about it and i think that would be it'd be super cool to say but to me, the book was written in the time that it was written in, and you move past it, right? Because yeah. you have to work on other books and stress about yeah. other things, and and it kind of exists on its own. And I mean, I think one of the reasons, and I don't know if you can speak to this, but one of the reasons I don't love um, doing events and things is because I like the work to speak for itself as much as possible. And I don't like to influence what people think, if they like a character, if they don't, if they agree or don't agree. like the book becomes the readers right when the reader picks it up and absorbs themselves in it yeah. their lens right really does reflect on how they feel about the book and the story so i feel you know the work is the work and and to dissect it after the fact is always hard for me because i want you to feel how you feel about it um, yeah you know but I, I the same time if it's a friendly group and they're asking good questions and sometimes that's fun like this basically yeah. I think for, for, for me, the question that I never answer is when anybody reads a book and says, well, what happened to the character next? Yes. Like, yeah. Well, if I wanted you to know what that was, I would have written it. <laughs> I would have told you. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah people will say, you know, did they end up together or mm. what happened, you know, the, after they figured this out? And I'm like, I, I, it, as writers, if we had a vision for that, there would either be an epilogue or there'd be a second book. Right. Yeah. And 
you usually can't see past that point. And for me, I'm satisfied with where it ends always because I'm the writer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I can imagine if you really were curious, um, you just have to make it up in your head of how yeah. you think it ended. And it's not incorrect, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever you think. I like, but, okay. I like an open-ended book, not all the time, but sometimes, do you? Yeah, sometimes you do. I think, I don't think everything has to be neatly wrapped up in my books. Yeah, I get that. But then do I'll read. You, okay. I'll read. But books. do I'll you read like books. vague endings, or do you like it when the ending is "This is how it ends," or do you like the interpretation? It's. It, I think I have to say that I like the interpretation because I kind of feel like I have to say that because it's a bit hypocritical when I write a book. to <laughs> go. I read um as an Irish writer called Catherine Ryan Howard, who I absolutely loved, yes, yeah. and her book, the tra I think it's called The Trap that has a real ending that I think divides people because you have to think, you have to use your imagination as to what's going to happen next. And I got wow. frustrated by that, but frustrated in a great, <laughs> in a great way because it was so brilliant. Yeah, and done. yeah. But um, yeah, I know. Yeah, so I think that would be my answer. Yeah, I'd say I'd have to, yeah, I like a vague ending, but only because I like to do them every now and again. Not all the time, just every now and again. But have you not, have you not written a sequel? Um, I, so my first book had an open ending. Um, I mean, it was resolved. The main story was resolved, but then there was the possibility for more happening. Mm. And I, I wrote a second book that followed it up with a different protagonist, but the same world. Um, but people were so mad after those, those first two books, because the second book also ended ambiguously. Um, people were so mad. I mean, I got, I still to this day get the most emails going, are you ever going to write a third book? Because I, and I'm like, but it ended. In my mind, like it ended, <laughs> yes. you know, and they're like, but no, it can't end like this. Like, I, I don't like this ending. It's not definitive. Um, and so since then, I have written very definitive endings okay. because I was trying to, in my mind, imagine how I would feel if I was reading a book and I wasn't 100% sure how something ended after being put through. I mean, we write thrillers, right? So they're dark and they're twisty and horrible things happen to people. Um, and so now I actually... I actually do make a point to end something with no uh, misinterpretation, really. Um, but maybe that's just me being a little bit selfish because I don't like getting those emails. <laughs> I don't like it when people are mad at me. I don't like it when, people, when people are upset by something. It hurts me. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, maybe I do that to avoid people getting mad. Um, but people will still disagree with things. You know, I'll get all kinds of emails about stuff that they didn't like. Um, and yeah. that's part of the job, as we yeah. know. It is, right. and you, can, you can't retaliate, you can't respond. No, no, you have to be. I've, I've early, 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 when I was a baby writer, first two books out, I would get some of these very sort of mean emails and I would try to respond. Um, and sometimes you just be annoyed and so that would maybe come across in the tone. And it's not a good idea. <laughs> so yeah. if, you're, if you're a writer and you're listening to, do you respond to someone sending you a negative email? Um, my advice is just delete it. You don't have to, there's no obligation to write back to anybody. Number one, yeah. your time is valuable. Um, but if you do feel the need to respond, you know, just be very, you know, keep it very professional. Um, because people sometimes just want to pick a fight, you know, yeah. they want to pick a fight and argue with you. Um, and no one, no one has the energy for that. So I, I've learned the hard way, you know, if someone is really angry about something, like there was a lady who wrote to me. And she proofread the book and said, I'm a proofreader. And here are some grammatical inconsistencies I've noticed. And then literally sent screenshots Amazing. Um, of the actual book. Like she used her phone and took pictures of the mass market paperback and then circled things and emailed them to me. 
And she was so outraged by like, there was like a typo and a dropped word and then something else. Um, and how it slipped by, I have no idea because that book felt like it had a million editors, right? But it happens. <laughs> um, and yeah. sometimes errors happen in typesetting, by the way. Sometimes a comma gets missed in, in the typesetting process, which is no one's fault. But um, I just deleted it. I'm like, I, there's nothing I can say that will appease her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry that you're pissed, but honestly, uh, I can't do anything about it. So I just yeah. forwarded her email to my editor. So for them to fix whatever they found, um, but I didn't write back because she was so mad. I didn't want to walk into that. No, definitely not. I've um, so I'm a member of quite a few different Facebook groups. So that's mm -hmm. a lot. Of, that's a lot of how my career got going through Facebook that's groups. Amazing, amazing. And I found with the, particularly with the American ones that I think female writers get an awful lot more aggressive viewpoints um, and a lot more um, negative stuff written about them than male writers do. So like, do you find that? Yeah, so it's hard to say as a female if it's more than, than one of my male writer friends, but it sure does feel like we get a lot. Yeah. Um, I've seen like Frida McFadden, Colleen Hoover. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, Geneva Rose, all writers who sell a lot of books. And a ton obviously, of books. Yeah, obviously the more books you write, the more you sell, the more you know, yes. more people are going to pile on. But I, I yes. just I find that women get a lot more stick from other women than they do, than, than male writers like myself do. It'd be interesting to, to kind of dive into why that is. Um, I feel like the three writers you mentioned, you know, they're so hugely popular. I wonder if readers forget that they're people, you know, yeah. if, if they're so, that there's a distance there because they're so uh, prolific and they're so successful that you forget that they're just people that have feelings and did the best job they could. Um, that you sort of distance yourself from it. Because I think it's easy to get, you know, five-star reviews if only 100 people have read your work, right? Yeah. Um, likely all the people that have read it are going to be your friends and say nice things, and that's wonderful. But the less people, the fewer people that know you, um, the more, you know, the more they feel they can say uh, how they really feel, or maybe you just annoy them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, I've seen some stuff, and I think, you know, you're brave and you go to these places and you hang out and I, you are so popular um, on these Facebook groups and people love you. Like they're so happy when you pop by, I can see that. Whereas I'm like lurking and like afraid to do anything because God forbid they know I'm there. Uh, my, my husband tells me, I'm, I'm, constantly reminds me that I'm like one lib comment away from being canceled. I kind of, I like going on that. I like taking the piss out of myself and I kind of, you know, and if people are going to criticize me on there, I, I, I think people sometimes. really enjoy it. And, and there are definitely readers who love engaging, you know, with authors and especially when you're likable and you write good stuff, you know, um, I, maybe in a different time, I would want to do that. But I think, you know, you, you're around for a while and you get burned a few times and you worry that someone is going to be mean to you, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, we're sensitive creatures and uh, some people bounce back from that kind of thing really fast. And then for me, it takes a bit. So, um, I do keep track of what people are saying as best I can, but it's really hard when I'm working on a new book right now, which is going horribly by the way. Um, and <laughs> the last thing I need is any criticism for books that are already yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. Can you read your review? That doesn't, make, that doesn't instill me with confidence. <laughs> Would you read your reviews still? No, uh, not deliberately, but occasionally um, I will fall down a rabbit hole if I'm looking for something specific. Yeah. Um, 
if I Google like, oh, I want to find a link to this article that I remember I was mentioned in, and then I'll find other things I didn't mean to find. Or if I peek at my Goodreads rating, just to see, um, yeah. you know, just to see like, where is it at today? Did it drop a point? Um, yeah. And then I get tagged in stuff, right? Like reviewers will, you know, most of them don't now, but I found in the beginning when Instagram became popular, I was getting tagged in all kinds of, you know, reviews, good and bad. And it, you know, it, it feels like, I don't know, to me, when, when a reviewer tags you in a negative um, review, it just feels like they walked across the street specifically to tell you your hair looks bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like you yeah. are minding your own business. Yeah, it's like that. Going about your day and someone crossed the street yeah. just to say, oh my God, your hair looks terrible today. And it's like, you could have thought that from over there and never mentioned it to me. You could have really thought that. Um, so, but people, I find that rarely happens. I think people are getting pretty good about it. What about you? Does it bother you? Do you read them? I, I will read like reviews in on NetGalley and Goodreads in the run up to a book coming out. Um, yeah. And then maybe about two weeks afterwards to just get a gist and on Amazon, get a gist of what people are thinking of it. And then I try not to. But sometimes it's difficult not to, isn't it? Sometimes you, you're going to go back and you're just going to, well, let's have a quick look or look at the rankings. <laughs> Before you know it, you know, you, 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 you can't stop yourself. Uh, I, some of them do make me laugh. So for when we, you mentioned about the International Thriller Writers Award, um, I won one a couple of years ago. And I, um, they, asked right. make, yeah, they asked to make a video. I remember. And so yeah. the video that I made, it was supposed to be to promote the book, but instead I spent about $1,500 on that um, website where you can get celebrities to read stuff out for you. So I got <laughs> to read out negative, my one-star reviews for that book. So I had like Priscilla. Wait, on like Cameo? Like Cameo? Yeah, Cameo, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Jerry Springer, um, Freddie Prinze Jr., Priscilla Presley. No way. Yeah, it's on my Instagram somewhere. But yeah, just reading out all these negative reviews. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to have fun with that this. That is really funny. That is a, that's yeah. genius. Cost me a fortune, is... but it was quite good fun to do. <laughs> I was thinking just going off, off tack. I am... Um, it's coming up for next month. It'll be a year since I stopped working as a, so not a year, sorry, six years since I stopped working in London and working as a journalist because my wow. first five books were written on trains, most of them. Wow. Going to Congrats. Uh, Happy anniversary. That is a big deal. You. So this is your full-time gig. Yeah. So I'm okay. My How did it feel? When, like what led you to make that? How did you know the time was right to say, you know what, I'm going to be done with the night, with the daily grind yeah, of I think, this other thing? I think fear. I think that's what scared me from doing it. I think I'd, I'd sort of sell in a lot of books, but I still couldn't quite give up the day job just in case it yeah. didn't work out and the next book in was case. a flop. And it got to the yeah. point where I was literally working, what, from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. and then a couple of hours before that, a couple of hours afterwards and at weekends and just doing two full-time jobs at the same time. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I was just burning no, out. Something's got to give, and you couldn't imagine giving up the novels. I imagine. Yeah, it was just things were working out too well. It would be like looking a gift horse in the mouth. It's just like yeah, didn't do it. But what about you? How did you end up doing this full time? Uh, well, I used to say full time when in reality it was there was nothing else for me to do. Um, but I I used to work in like post secondary. I worked at universities. So I, my last regular nine to five job was working in the um, registrar's office of a university here. And then my husband at the time, my first husband, got transferred and we moved to the US from Toronto. 
And while I was there, I could not get a work permit. You have to apply for a work permit through Homeland Security, and it's a process. And they kept losing my fingerprints. My biometrics kept getting erased. And so I had to go back to Homeland Security a couple times. And it took a year. And so in the meantime, while I wasn't working, um, I was writing. Uh, I was writing my first book, Creep. And I thought, well, I have the time and I have the energy to do it. Um, and I did it. And then, and then I realized I really, I, I think sometimes the act of doing makes you realize that you want to do it more. And I had dreamed about being a writer, but I never sat down and really pursued writing a novel. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote one novel before that, which was absolute crap and no one can ever read it because it's terrible. But this was my second book. And I thought, I wonder if I finish it, if it could be something, you know, can I get an agent? Can I do this? Um, and the book sold and not for very much money, but it was enough for me to, I guess, in some ways decide, you know, it, this isn't going to make me anything, but I'm so much happier. And we talked about it, me and my husband, and we decided that we would live on a little less with me not working. And I would just continue to pursue it until, until it didn't work out anymore. But, um, you know, seven books later and about 16 years, yeah. um, I'm still plugging away at it. Um, and I still feel like I've barely scratched the surface. I don't know how you feel of, I always like, I, you'll meet a writer at a, at a conference and they've written 25 books. <laughs> and I'm like, I've only written seven uh, or I've been doing this for 40 years. And I'm like, I've only been doing it for 15. Um, I still feel like I have so much more to go. You know, um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel like you're where you want to be? I'm on book. So on book um, about 13 and yeah, I kind of seem to do the last couple of years or last few years has been like one every 10 months or so. Um, and I'm, good pace, I'm though. yeah, I'm cutting down. I can't do it basically. Are you? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. um, I've got, you know, we've got a four year old boy. I mean, yeah. he's, he's just started school, but I, you know, I, I want a bit of no, a life. Four is a crazy yeah. age. They're, they're I so want to, I want to enjoy life with him and, and, and my, and other it heart. goes by real. I mean, my kid has just turned nine and I can tell you four was my favorite age. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're like little people and they have opinions and they'll talk to yeah. you, but they're also a little bit independent. Yeah. Um, and so they're fun. Right. And I would hate to have missed it, you know? So yeah, yeah no, I don't blame you, but 10 months is fast. Yeah. That's, that's a good pay. And especially consistently, that's, that's really impressive. Cause I've worked, so I've got two different publishers over here. So one is Thomas and Mercer who yeah. just psychological thrillers. And the other one is Pam McMillan who are, uh, speculative fiction so I kind of alternate so I'll do one speculative fiction and then one psychological. okay so that that might help you right because it breaks yeah. it up a little bit you're not doing yeah. the same thing over and over again yeah kind of feels like is there a book is there a genre that you prefer more than the other in terms of writing I think I've got one more um speculative thriller in me I've got an idea for that one um but I yeah I don't know I don't know I'm out of contract next year with both publishers mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Once upon a time, that would scare the bejesus out of me. I was going to say, how does that make you feel, actually? I'm quite excited by it now. It feels like a bit of freedom. <laughs> so if I want to write something... People, the, yeah. I'm telling you, man, this is what changes as you get into it, is like the thing mm. that used to scare you the most, um, then it's freedom. Because I have two more... I have a, I have a contract for two more books. Um, one was announced. One is not yet announced. Probably because I haven't finished this one. And as great as it is, and it is so great to know that you know, the next two books I write will be out in the world. They'll be published. Yeah. It's also like, how do you even describe it? There's a lot of pressure that mm. comes with having a deadline. 
or in my case, blowing past my deadline because this book just isn't coming together um, and feeling like you're letting people down and there's the weight of expectation. And yeah. I've said this before and I really mean it now it is you don't realize how freeing it is to write your very first novel yeah. when you have no idea where it's going to go or what being a writer is going to be like. And you're just writing what you want. You don't have an audience. No one's expecting it. Um, there's there's creative freedom and kind of just figuring out what you want to say, you know. And mm. now I know what I want to say, but do people want to hear it? Because I know what they expect, you know. And, yeah. and there's like, well, we want a book just like the last one, um, yeah. but different. Yeah, but you don't necessarily want to write the same thing. Yeah, you want to write something different. I, I, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I haven't written a sequel to anything. I think there is potential with at least mm. three or four books, but by the time I finished the book and finished all the drafts and it's all done and I'm kind of when it gets to the proofreading stage I really just can't want to read I don't want to read it anymore the last time I oh, had so sick of it so yeah sick of the it. last yeah. time I had anything to do with it is when I listen to the audiobook and then all I'm doing is picking it to pieces thinking oh that's bad oh I shouldn't have written it but then um, and the thought of like I really admire writers who can stick with the same characters and keep coming up with different storylines for them I, I think it. it must it must be nice to revisit the world and, and find out how everyone is doing. Um, but for me, I because of the bad memory thing, I'm like, what were the quirks that that character had again? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Is this? Did he smoke? No, he didn't smoke. Okay, if he did, what did he smoke? You know, and it's just they must have to keep a I don't know a book, a journal or something, you know, to remember where everyone is. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm a standalone writer too. I, I've always felt like at the end is the end. And even the first two books, which are labeled on Amazon as, as a series, um, really, I didn't look at it that way. I just looked at a whole different um, scenario with a brand new main character and it, in the same world. But, you know, I didn't think that they were as connected as people wanted them to be, um, which is probably why I changed gears in book three. I'm like, I don't want to be a series writer. I don't think I could do this over and yeah. over again. Um, but mind you, I love series. So as a reader, I love revisiting, you know, I love revisiting the same people over and over again. Yeah. No, I, find okay. it quite, I do find it quite exciting not having, not, not being, not going to be in contract next year. It's kind of, like, you, you can do whatever you want to. You can ex experiment. I could write cowboy erotic alien fiction if I wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm jealous actually, because I, I, I understand what you mean. And so will you write something and in its entirety and then try to sell it will you go back to self-publishing will you I don't, propose I don't, it to a new publisher like what's your, what are your thoughts yeah, some of it so you I, can say and some of it i know you can't so no, i don't have an agent either i have a tv and film oh, rights agent but i don't have a literary oh. agent so i kind Who of would sign you like in a minute come on I kind of but it depends if you want one maybe you don't want yeah. one and that's okay i don't yeah. i kind of have a rough idea of what my worth is so therefore we haven't really bothered um, and it's worked out okay. Just dealt with contracts myself. My husband has knowledge, and we've kind of bluffed our way through it so far. It's going to ask you. So, being a parent and you know, and 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 married, how do you find mixing up work with uh, family life? Do you find that easy, or do you find it difficult? I find it difficult, but I do find that because I think here's the funny thing. I was really resentful trying to balance motherhood and being a writer. Um, I loved my son and was so happy when he was born. Didn't think I was gonna have kids, so it was a big deal, like an extra big deal for me. Um, and I, but I resented the, the energy that it took. Was even the time, time you can always find if you have to, but it was the energy, yeah. it was being in front of the computer 
at the designated time that I'd set out and realizing I'm freaking exhausted, you know? So I resented it at first, but then at the same time, I also realized that when there are things in your life that fulfill you, it actually affects the work usually in a very positive way. Um, and I am the kind of person who writes best when I'm happy. You know, some people write really good stuff when they're miserable and I, that's never worked for me. I need to be in a good place um, mentally. And, and I think in a lot of ways, it's made me a better writer. Um, because of that, it's just, I always wish for more time and more sleep. Those right. two things, never go, more time, more sleep, more time, more sleep, yeah. um, and more energy. And, and, it, you know, I just went back to hot yoga. <laughs> right. I used to be a huge hot yoga person, um, and didn't go for a couple of years during the pandemic. I just kind of, you know, fell out of it. The, it was the idea of going to a studio and being around all those sweaty people was gross. Um, but I'm back now and wow, have I aged. You know, and it, it's like, oh, that move that I could do like that two years ago is now it's causing pain. <laughs> you know, yeah. this muscle does not want to bend that way. And so it's like that with the brain, too. You know, you get older and um, I don't know. I feel like I had more energy for it, although I think I'm smarter than I was. I think I'm more tired than I was, if yes. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, how so do you balance it? Like, how do you and your husband work it out? Yeah, well, he's literally went back to work today for the first time oh. in two years. So he's um, had the bulk of the childcare for the last couple of years. Okay, yeah. I'm at home a lot anyway, so it's fine. So we, we're always around. Yeah. I'm always yeah. around. But yeah, yeah. So now I'm now that uh, our son's in school, so I'm I've got from nine o'clock in, in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon. I hear you. Thing. And Your then, day has just become yeah. way more condensed now, right? Because yeah. now you've got those hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear that. Kind of, I hear that. it kind of reminds me of when I was working as a journalist, and then mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm pretty good at being able to switch on to the, the the in what little time. So if I know I've only got an hour, I can That's, find. Yeah, and, and that, I think that's based on yeah commuting, writing. I've got an hour train journey. I'm going to get this done. I've got an hour on the way back. I've got so and so at lunchtime. Yeah. So it doesn't bother me too much. It, I find it harder if I know that I've got the whole day from like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. to myself. You know, it's funny because you're exactly right. You're exa you'll you'll piss around. Like I, I know yeah. that for me, when I have too much time, I'll waste it. Yeah. Like it's 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 counterintuitive. You think, oh, I have all this time, and I get so much done today. No, you don't. When yeah. you have so much time, like you're just dicking around on Facebook and Instagram and yeah. getting distracted by something you read and then eating a snack and then eating another snack and <laughs> there's no the dishwasher, rearranging items. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I get it. But I think, it, I think you know, if you're a journalist, like for you, you must have had a lot of training and practice at hitting deadlines, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. probably something that comes really easy for you because you yeah. know that this has got it and so are you perfectionist when you write or are you comfortable sending in something i no, i'll only ever send anything in when i'm absolutely happy when i when i feel like i can't take it any further than i can yeah i'm the same I'm way really, i'm really good at listening to other people because again yeah when you journalist you'd write something and it would go through about four or five different editors who would want yeah. different things or change in different things yeah so the first yeah. person to read my book will be my husband and then he'll give me like 10 pages of notes on what wow. works and then there'll be another couple of people i'll ask and then only then when yeah. i've got some feedback from trusted people will i then send it to my editor oh my gosh you know i think most writers work that way i am the i'm the the lone writer that I know who is, I'm like super secretive about my work, you know, like until the book is finished mm -hmm. um, and I've gone as far as I can with it. I don't like feedback because the slightest hint of 
I don't like this can kill my confidence. Like that's how del- I'm like delicate flower, right? Even, even seven books in. Even seven books in, I want people to read only the best job that I can do. And so I'm never at a point really where I feel good about sending it to anybody. Like before, you know, I just don't. I, it's just always something that can be tweaked. And so what usually then happens is after I've gone through my first draft, which is really five drafts, um, or for the last book, it was like 13 drafts before I felt good about it. Um, I, my deadline is there and I have to send it to my editor. There is yeah. no time to send it out anywhere else because I've used up all that time trying to make it perfect. But like you, I'm really good at feedback. And so I hand the best book that I can in and I'm rip it to shreds. Tell me everything that isn't working yeah. because I want to level up, right? I, yeah. This is the best I can give you. Now, please help me make it even better. Yes. Um, and so, you know, God willing, I'll never be a writer who phones it in or just doesn't care. Um, Cause it happens. Yeah, I, yeah. You know that with, with certain writers you've been reading for a long time, you're like, eee, <laughs> what happens, dude. Yeah. Right. Um, and it happens and I'm not being unsympathetic. It's just, uh, you know, for me, I think I would, I would, I need to feel like it's my best work. And if it's not, I, it bothers me. I feel like my fur is being rubbed the wrong way if I didn't hand in my best work. So do you have a book of yours that you apart from the very first one that, that hasn't been published, but do you have a book that you wrote? Have you ever had a book that you don't like? That you look um, back on? I didn't, I didn't like Little Secrets. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't like Little Secrets. Okay. I was very self-conscious about that book. I had a hard time uh, writing it. I, I felt, I don't know, I, I felt like there was something missing and it wasn't until I was near the end that I realized the reason, and this is not really a spoiler, but it's not a serial killer book. So my first five books had serial killers in them. That was my jam. And I didn't realize for the longest time in writing book six, which was Little Secrets, that there was no serial killer in this book. And I was like, oh my God, this isn't, they're not gonna like this book, you know? And I didn't love it and I handed it in and I was sort of sheepish about it, you know, cause it didn't feel like what they were expecting. Um, and it's my best-selling book <laughs> like by far yeah, the yeah. book that has done the most that has gotten the most buzz that still sells yeah. really well over time and people were like i discovered you through little secrets your other stuff is really dark but i really like <laughs> <laughs> and so i think the interesting lesson is how sometimes how you feel your work is isn't how a reader will feel and yeah. the book of your heart, like, do you have a book that you just love that maybe, I don't know, didn't resonate as much as your others and it just surprised you? Yeah, absolutely. There's one that, yeah, one that I wrote that um, it sold pretty well, but it's it's not sold as well as some of the others, but um, I'm really proud of it. There's one that yeah. I have written that I, that I, I don't like, but only because of, of the memory. So when our son was born, um, two months mm-hmm. prematurely. So we spent the first month with him in hospital. We basically decamped um, to where our surrogate lived. And we yeah. spent all that time with her in the hospital and him in the hospital. Right. Um, right. And when he was asleep, I'd go into the, the canteen area and work on this book because I had a deadline to hit. And then when it came out, it was um, COVID. So it kind of came out at a really bad time. There was no promotion behind it whatsoever. And the book, it did or it did okay, but nothing exceptional by any stretch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah, I just have bad memories of it. And when, like, when I write, people ask me about books uh, and stuff, and uh, I, I always even forget to name that one. <laughs> you really like good. blocked it out. It's like it's yeah. associated with something so deep and painful yeah. 
that you've lost. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't relate to that exactly, but we had, uh, our son was born with a birth defect. And so he was in the NICU for a while when he was born. Um, and then I, when he got out and, and things were better, I finished um, my fourth novel and that was also a book I didn't think anyone would love, you know, cause I wasn't as connected to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and actually the sales at the time were, <laughs> it, 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 it didn't do all that well anyway, but um, it got a second life. Cause then yeah. fast forward and, and uh, the audio got picked up and the audiobook has done pretty well. And, and it's funny how things can come around again, but yeah. you must've blocked it out. But yeah. I want to hear about your new book. Tell me about this book. This Hollywood book so it's, that uh, you are that you are putting out. I'm excited to hear you talk about it. So this was the second book I ever wrote, and it was called Welcome to Wherever You Are, and it was self-published, and it remains self-published. The title. Yeah, yeah, I love the title. Yeah, good title. It, it was self-published for quite a long time, and it was my only wow. book that was self-published. Yeah, and then yeah. I signed with my new publishers, Pam McMillan. They they said, are you, could, you know, are you interested? Well, could we take that one with as well? I'm like yeah okay and I, I I had to rewrite it not I just basically had to go through it and update it a little bit and my writing and yeah. hopefully improved. And okay, yeah, so it's not going to live in its own time. You've updated it with like to be more current and to feel more like yeah. a today book. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I did cringe when I was reading through the original version. <laughs> why? Oh my God! Why did I use this like that? And I, I, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I wrote about people holding breaths they didn't realize they were holding. <laughs> Holding breath, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or swallowing hard when they were scared by something. I swallowed. Oh my! Swallowed hard. Well, yeah. you know, you, you have to think of of ways to show, not tell. Yeah. Anyway, got, <laughs> there are got only re- so many ways to show. <laughs> there is. So it got retitled over here, the vacation, and then, um, oh. then yeah, then it got picked up in the states, and so it comes out. Yeah. Here. It's the first book that I've written that isn't set in the UK. It's set entirely at a backpacking hostel in Los Angeles. Was so, it originally set in the UK or did you change it to... Oh, it was always the US. Oh, interesting. When was, yeah, when I was 21, I went backpacking around America for a year. Um, this was obviously a long time ago. So Greyhound yeah. coaches, Amtrak, uh, hitchhiking. My God, who? why on earth would I have hitchhiked? It's insane. Um, <laughs> How did you not get murdered? Just obviously not worth killing. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so he's getting this life, this second life, yeah. and when it comes out in the states, I'm really excited yeah. by it. But um, That's yeah, it's, it is. It's um, have you, you have you written any books set in different countries, or would you? No, and you know what, I would love to, to be honest, but I'm so worried I wouldn't get it right. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I, I just don't want to take too many liberties. Um, so all my books have been set up until now in Seattle, which is where I became a writer. Yep. There was something about the weather, which I think is very similar to UK weather. It was always very misty and gloomy and yep. not a lot of sunshine and kind of cold and damp. And so, but it's really good for writing. I, I found it really good for writing. Um, and then my last book was partially set in Toronto, which is where I am now. Um, so. Would I love to? Yeah, I would like to write a thriller. I would love to write, you know, kind of a vacation thriller similar to you, only maybe like in Cancun or an all-inclusive <laughs> vacation, right? Yeah. Um, or something. I always think that, you know, when we go on vacation to these places, I'm lying there and I'm thinking, what if someone died? What would they do? You know? Yeah. What if there was a dead body on the beach? You know, um, the happiest place in the world and my brain yeah. goes to the worst. 
Um, you know how that is, right? It's a Absolutely. curse. Absolutely. But um, maybe one day, you know, but I think sort of, I don't know, there's more that I want to untangle when it comes to dysfunctional marriages and um, I don't know, relationships and, and I don't know, maybe one day I'll get there. But I also fantasize about writing like a really juicy romance novel one day. Really? Um, yes. And I have attempted it over the years occasionally, but then someone dies. And I'm told that in a romance novel, people aren't, there's, you know, there's rules, right? They're, you're not yeah, supposed yeah. to die. Um, it can't be too dark. You can't, you know, we ha it has to have a happy ending. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not really writing a romance then. Yeah. <laughs> this is the happens. <laughs> Do you get competitive at all with other writers? Do you look at other people's success and think, okay, why am I not having that or... You know, I do, I do, and I, and I would love to be the bigger person and say that it doesn't bother me at all, but I, I think you talk a lot about numbers, you know, in the business. I talk a lot about numbers with my agent. I get my royalty statement, so I know how I'm doing. Um, my editor is really good at updating me on how any one book is doing. It's hard to separate it sometimes. I wish I could just worry about the craft and write the book, um, but you know, if you're going to do this full time, you'd like to make a little money at it and pay your bills. Um, and also the success of your books, you know, it influences the next contract and, and how well that does and how much they put behind it. So um, in terms of do I ever get jealous? Sometimes, you know, sometimes you see someone come out strong right out of the gate. And it's not to say that their book doesn't deserve a big splashy debut and a huge marketing plan. Um, I think a lot of times publishers do get that right. But as someone who scratched for a long time, you know, like just didn't make a lot of money for a long time and no one was reading my stuff for a long time, there is a little bit of a pain to go, oh, I wish I'd had that boost at the beginning, but I didn't, you know? Yeah. So how about you? Like, do you pay attention to how people are doing or? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> scanning charts and looking to see what's selling and then kind of I thought you were going to tell me, no, I don't yeah. care. No, I used to be really, I used to get really, let it get to me too much when I saw other people who were writing the same kind of genre as me. And I'm thinking, well, what am I yeah. doing wrong? Yeah. Why have I never had a book on the a New York Times bestseller? Why have I never had yeah. a Sunday Times bestseller? Um, and things I've, I've, I've sold about. Have well, you answered those questions for yourself or do you still think that, you know? I, I part of me still, I haven't got an answer to it, but I, yeah. I've learned to care a lot less. I think yeah. it's ever since my son was born, yeah. I, yeah. I, I care a lot less than I used to. It doesn't really phase me as much as it, it does. Yeah. Occasionally it does, occasionally like nip on my heels a little bit. But then yeah. I think yeah. we were trying to calculate how many sales are done. And we reckon it's probably about two and a half million around the world. My and goodness, congratulations. How, how the hell can I complain about not having a book on a particular list when I've you sold can't. quite a few books? So I can't. can't. You can't, but you know, when you're, when you're, before you become a writer professionally and you're dreaming about it, which we've all done, our dreams include that, I think, generally, right? Like my dream was always to be a New York Times bestselling author. And in my mind, that's the thing. That's the crown jewel. And if I yeah. get that, I've made it. And it doesn't matter how much money I've made or, or all the amazing things that have happened or that my books sell really well over time, right? Yeah. It's that one splashy week that yes. gives you that that thing that set that you can put on your business card or your website yeah. forever and ever that feels important you know yeah. but it's literally the one thing we cannot control no there is so much that goes into 
how books make lists and it's not just all data. I wish right. it was, but it, you know, it, it's not fully transparent and yet it's not fully data. Um, and so it's, if you want longevity, and I think you'll agree, right? You have to learn to give fewer fucks. <laughs> you just have to care less, give less fucks and, and do what you do because it will bury you. You could be buried in all the whys and why nots and why not me's. Yeah. Um, and you just have to decide it's okay. Um, yeah. And it really is. And readers don't know the difference, really. No. Um, they, they, you know, they, if they like your stuff, they'll keep reading you. They don't care who publishes you, whether you're self-published, um, as long as they can find your books, you know? Yeah. I, th I think like you, I'm a, I'm a consistent seller rather than a straight out of the starting blocks. Yeah, long tail, right? Long tail yeah. is what they yeah. call it. Yeah. I would rather be somebody like that who sells enough books to keep a career going for a long time than someone who's just for weeks. Absolutely. I mean, but sometimes it's nice to have both. Let's let you know how, how that feels if it ever happens. Like, you know, yeah, we should talk about it. Like, did it change your life? Because I would like to know. Like, did it change yeah. your life? Do you feel different than you did last week before you hit, you know, the New yeah. York Times or Sunday Times list? Um, I suspect I will not be any different. <laughs> yeah. But in my mind, it's going to somehow be life changing. I don't know. Or maybe yeah. it's just the carrot that keeps us going. Who knows? Yeah. But I'm sure it won't be how I thought. So I think I think that it would be an amazing buzz, but it wouldn't last as long as so a teacher in I think it was uh, somewhere in Chicago got in touch with me last year and their students were getting a bit sick of the books on the curriculum of these like three mm -hmm. or four schools. And so they mm -hmm. voted to get rid of one, the Lord of the Flies, and they voted to replace Ooh. it with one of the books, the passengers amazing something a bit more modern and it was it was the most amazing experience of, of hearing that's an, that's an incredible milestone in, a, in an yeah. author's career i think to have written something that they want to teach you know yeah. like wow wow they sent me photographs of their whiteboards with all these different characters and what they thought was going to happen to them <laughs> all these, like, what direction was going to go in and then i got to do like a zoom call with them and they'd keep coming up to the camera and asking questions and stuff like that and that oh, was wow. like that probably meant a lot more to me than having a number one sunday times bestseller. absolutely absolutely and it's funny you know like the, the things that tend to be a career highlight aren't necessarily the things you think it was no. going to be yeah you know um i think for me I think it was two years ago, uh, just a reader came up to me at one of these book events, you know, book festivals, and she cried, you know, and she was the sweetest girl. She's like, I've just been available for so long, and she cried. And I, and I was like, you're crying. Like, I'm not Kim Kardashian or anybody <laughs> famous or anyone. Like, that's so sweet, you know, but then you realize, wow, these books are potentially reaching people who are getting something out of them, you know, mm -hmm. and. And the fact that anyone would get emotional over me is amazing. Like that, that was like, okay, this is, this is pretty, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Not that I want people to cry, but it was just, she was really happy. Yeah. And my first book <laughs> and it was, was so called, sweet. My first book was called When You Disappeared. And it was about a guy mm -hmm. who left his family for um, 25 years later that he has no idea. They have no idea what happened to him. He turns up yeah. like back 
on their doorstep um, yeah. explaining why he went and it kind of like all these flashbacks yeah. and stuff. But there was um, um, uh, an American lady who got in touch with me to say that she loved that book so much and it, something similar had happened. She had no idea what ever happened wow. to her dad. And then she went on one of these genealogy websites and put her, uh, her, her DNA yeah. deep and yeah. she discovered an entire different family that she didn't realize that she had and so she wow. has five brothers and sisters that her dad started with this he i think he's quite long dead now but that he started this different family um and she said that uh they're just they're really close and they go out and visit each other and she wow. would never have the impetus to do that had she not read my book and just like to think as you say and you would what, never know her story if you hadn't written the book so that's exactly. amazing yeah so it, that is a true the, connection with your readers when, when things like that happen. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the thing that people don't expect when, when we go into this job that, of just how much you can affect people sometimes. What's the worst thing that's happened to you since becoming a writer? Oh. Can you share? I, I, I don't know. I don't think, I'm, I think touch wood, there hasn't been a, like a really bad thing that's happened. That's good though. That's good. Yeah. How do, have you I don't think so. No, I don't think for me either. I, I, there's things about the job I don't love, you know, like we talked about, you know, talking about being extroverted and talking about our work in, in person. But um, no, knock on wood. I think we just jinxed each other. I just jinxed you. Um, nothing <laughs> bad. I have, I have nothing been, bad has happened. I've had accusations, um, of being, I've had accusations of being racist and homophobic. Oh, no. um, homophobic. Know. Yeah, oh, ironic. No. And somebody, somebody who didn't like the fact I've killed a character off in a book tried to start something trending on Twitter called hashtag shitty male author, but I don't oh think it really took God. off. Someone, but, I did come across the review, well, she didn't come across it, she tagged me in it, that suggested <laughs> one of my books was fatphobic, um, oh. which was like fatphobic. I'm always on a diet, how can that be? Um, yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, but people will read what they read. I'm trying to think of what the worst thing. Oh, I do have one experience that was that was humbling, I should say. Um, it was after I had signed uh, with my new publisher. So this was Jar of Hearts and it had been signed already. It wasn't out yet. It was a year away from being out. And I had gone to my first big meeting um, at uh, Macmillan at the building. They were in the Flatiron building in New York City at the time. And I met... Um, my editor and the publisher and the associate publisher and my publicist and two other people from the publicity team and marketing people. And there was like 11 people in this meeting all talking about my books and me and wanting to get to know me. It was really nice. And I came back to the hotel because I was at Thriller Fest at the time, yeah. floating. I was just like, oh my God, that was so great. You know, like, God, all these people they showed up and it was so wonderful. And I felt so good. And I ended up wandering into the bookstore um, and they have a book room, right, where they sell your books. And we had been told earlier uh, in the week to um, to ask to sign our stock, right? Like go in and ask them if you can sign them all. So I went in and I talked to one of the clerks who was working and I said, oh, hey, you know, I wrote this book here, Wonderland. And I said, can I, can I sign them? And he looked at it and he turned it over. And the book at the time was only out, you know, it was only ever released digitally. It was an ebook only. And yeah. so what they had were print-on-demand copies of a trade paperback. And he went over to his boss, and his boss um, took a look at the book and shook his head. And he came back to me and said, no, it's okay. Oh, my God. And so the stack of, like, whatever, five or seven books, I wasn't allowed to sign them. And I felt this big. I wanted to cry. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, did anyone see that? Um, I had never been told I couldn't sign 
Because my first three were traditionally published and the fourth one was too, but they just didn't put out a, like a, a print distribution. So I didn't know that if you ordered print on demand books that maybe they were going to return them. I don't know, but I was humiliated. Oh, no. I would have I walked around that bookshop picking random <laughs> by other authors off the shelf and finding it myself. But you know what? I looked at it as a, as a gift from the universe to go, don't get a swelled head because yes. up one minute down the next. <laughs> this is, this, and that's what it is, right? Yeah. You know, so that was it was a lesson, but at the time it was really embarrassing. I was being really, really embarrassed. So happened. I feel I feel I first heard of you over here with I think it was Jar of Hearts. I think that's the book. Yes. That books explode better in, in different territories, and I felt different, all, yeah. yeah. I felt all of a sudden you were everywhere with that one. Um, it did feel like that was sort of what leveled me up a little bit. You know, um, it was a bigger contract. And I think because of that, they tend to put more money behind things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they were trying to break me out. Uh, they're still trying to break me out, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> that term, like, we're going to break you out. And I'm like, I'm not broken out yet. Okay. So, um, but trying to break me out, trying to, you know, but when you have a declining track, and this is like real talk, you know, when you have four books and the sales were sliding down, yeah. down, down, down. Um, when you get picked up by a new publisher, it's a, it's hard for them. They got to dig you out of that hole. Yeah. You know, retailers don't want to stock your book because they didn't think that your last few sold very well. So yeah. they have a hard time getting it out there. And we've had to really kind of first. I had to get out of the, the hole, and then from there we could begin to build. So, um, but it's a it's a journey, and at any moment I feel like it could end. So. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you? Like, well, at any moment, you're cancelled, it's done. Yep, you tweeted something you shouldn't. <laughs> in the run-up to every book release, I think the same thing. The, I've got a book, I've got two out next year. There's, there's one I'm, yeah. I'm really confident with, um, because that just got picked up by a production company. So oh, and that's like about four months. Before. So I'm kind of quite excited about that. Yep. And the other one is a little bit, it's a speculative thriller. So I'm a little bit more, I'm always more nervous about them because they're a harder sell. Psychological thriller, everybody knows what to expect. Speculative yeah, but you know, spec thrillers, I think, are just fantastic, though, you know? They require so much more, so much more. I don't know. I the, feel the, like the genre of psych thriller is, is really full now, you know what yeah. I mean? But in spec fic, there's still so much room to, like, grab a reader. But I think they are. I think spec fic is a little bit harder to sell. I do still. Oh, really? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, maybe it's the title speculative fiction but if you call it the way it used to be called sci-fi people just yeah. think space aliens and um yeah i've never written a book about space aliens yet okay super quick for those who who aren't familiar with the difference explain yeah. what is the difference between a thriller and a spectacle psychological thriller i think we all, all know what they are speculative fiction kind of think black mirror or like five minutes in yeah. the future so you're kind of talking about technology but yeah not just technology, the yeah. books that are yeah. more character led and technology plays like a, a, a slight backseat in it. So, um, yeah, yeah you, you, stuff that's happening, like it, it doesn't exist in our world at the moment. Like my book, The Passengers, was all about driverless vehicles and it was in a world right. where everybody was in driverless vehicles. So, that kind of right. thing, really. But I, I enjoy writing both. But, um, and the DNA hookups, you know, with the wine and all that, you know, that cool. qualifies as spec fic, right? Yeah, yeah. That? yeah, okay. That was good. my easiest, that's probably my easiest book to write, Jennifer, honestly. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it was In my mind, you'd have to do piles of research and all this. Yeah. No, huh? My first draft was done in about three months and I just worked oh, on it after that. Oh, God. Yeah, it was, and that's probably been my most, 
In terms of worldwide sales, it's my most successful one. But not, actually not in the UK. It's not the most successful one in the UK. How is that possible? That's so funny. It's, yeah. It's weird that it's <laughs> resonating which countries. Do you have a yeah. I was, do you have a time of day when you are peak Jennifer writer, when you are at your absolute best each day? You know, I'm trying to find that. It used to be afternoons, like around now. But my son is home around now, right? So he's going to be coming home soon with his dad. And and now my afternoon, you know, sort of late in the day shot of, of inspiration is, is now has to be transferred. So now I'm a morning writer. Uh-huh. And I'm not a morning person. So I've had to adjust to that. But pe- probably peak. I was up this morning at five, God, um, which is not something I like to do at all. But I went to bed really early and I got up at five and I wrote for three hours when it was quiet before everybody got up for the day. So that was good. Um, but this probably would be it, you know, gone are the, gone are the Jenny from the block, uh, leaving, you know, 11 o'clock to go to the club. Uh-huh. That girl's gone. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, I'm... Now she's got a night mask on her face. <laughs> it's nine o'clock. pair of slippers. I'm kind of experiencing, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in your shoes. My best time of writing each day was between about three and 5 p.m. And now mm-hmm. three o'clock, I have to stop writing to go to school yep. and do the pickup. You got to readjust because, you know, yeah. everything revolves around family and it's, yeah. it's tough. And of course, you being the flexible one, how I feel like my husband's job is nine to five. Yeah. Um, I, I'm the one who has to move around, right? Because he can't. So it's, it's, but you know, good problems to have, right? We get to write oh, yeah. for a living. We get to write for a living. I know. The diamond slipper problems, aren't they? Diamond slipper. We get to make shit up for a living. I mean, it doesn't get better than that when you really think about it. Yeah. It's one thing good. I was going to just, one of the final things I was going to ask you, I, I, um, I, have, I think sometimes I have such a low concentration level on what I'm doing and what I'm writing. <laughs> if I have to sit there and think, right, I need to start at zero words and get to 100,000 words and write in, a, in, in order, I, I couldn't write a book. So I write my books in bits. So I'll do one character in, on one day. I'll do bits the other day and then weave same. everything together. Do you, do, you do the same. I have a really, really awful disorganized process, but it works because, again, you know, can't focus, can find it really hard to write linear. I don't write linear. Um, I write what I can see that day. And so if I can see a scene with, you know, A and B character, that's what I write. But then if the next day I'm like, but no, something happens with C, that's what I'll write. And then I kind of at the end have to figure out how it all goes together, which is the worst part of the process for me is the structuring of a novel. Um, But I've learned that if I don't go where I can see it clearest, I'll just be sitting there blank. Yeah. Like, well, what happens next? I don't know what happens next, but I know what might happen in a week. Yeah. <laughs> can I now, write this, that? I, yes, you can. You can write that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, there, I think we were a bit of a rarity because I've, mm. I've not really met many other writers who write like I've that. I've actually, but, you're well, the first person who's ever said I don't write in order or linear. Like, I just, you know, kind of jump around. But I think my brain is just, again, you write what you can feel the strongest, I think. And that's, yeah. that's a little bit of advice if you're one of, if you're listening and you're someone like us, you know, um, it's okay to write out of work. You can fix it later. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of people will sit there and they'll get stuck and I think, I don't know where to yeah. go from here. But if or I, I don't some... know where to start, you know, yeah. I, that's the one question I get from a lot of, I was like, where do I start? You start wherever you want to start. Yeah. You can fix it later. Maybe your, my openings are usually end up in the middle of my book. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like it's really yeah. okay. Like just start where you can start. Yeah. If you wait for that perfect magic first sentence, not going to happen. So I have one final question for you. So my question is... Good what, questions, John. Really good questions today. 
What question do you hate being asked the most? What question do I hate being asked the most? Really, where do you get your ideas? Yes. What about you? You the same? Yes. Exactly the same. There's they no great way anywhere. to answer it, right? Like there's yeah. no, it's a hard question and, and people are really invested in kind of knowing what inspires you, but it's, it's very rarely is there that moment where you're like, aha, there's my book. Like it's a lot of different things. And so I, what I've learned and maybe you do the same is I, you, you rehearse the answer to that. And that's just the answer you give because it's easy. Cause sometimes the answer is I have no idea. Like, well, yeah. how would you answer that question? Yeah, absolutely. There's if I'm thing. an interviewer going, John, where do you get your ideas? Yeah, you I, I, I will say it depends on the it depends on what the book's about. Sometimes it'll right, be a person right. I've met or a magazine. One book actually did come to me. The first third, it came to me in a dream, and I actually woke yeah. up and, sat and dictated it into yeah. my phone as quickly as yeah. possible. Um, that happens. They come from they come from anywhere, but I just yeah, and but like you, I don't want to give the answer. Well, I don't really know. You just get on with it. Yeah, and you have to kind of give them something, right? And so you kind yeah. of sort of think of the inspir I think of two or three things that it could be, and that's what I give in an interview because, and they're not untrue. It just, it's a hard question to answer. There's yeah. no, there's no, I don't know how people, how creative people are creative. It's very difficult to sum up in a sentence. Maybe we need to just start making up really elaborate lies. Well, it involved, the, it involved the unicorn farting glitter, and, and then that's how the book started. Well, when I was captaining my military ship. <laughs> yes. I'd just in come back from war. In the Navy. <laughs> just come back. That's what we need to start doing. We just need to start learning. Just completely, like, bullshit people. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't translate, though, and I think you're being snarky. Yeah. <laughs> And that's how we're going to get ourselves cancelled. Right. Yeah. If I'm going down, if I'm going down, going down, you're coming down with me. I'm okay. coming down too. I, I got the idea from Jennifer. <laughs> she told me to lie. I didn't want to. Okay. So writer to writer, you're 13 books in. Um, yeah. I'm only seven books in. What advice do you have for me to keep going? Um, I think, when, you know, when, hmm. I know when new when people new writers get in touch and ask what advice and it would be basically yeah. what we just said, like, just get just yeah. just just if you've got the idea just get writing um, and don't be afraid. Um, but for someone who's seven books in, I yeah, what would you I, tell me, John? I don't know. That's a really tough <laughs> one, isn't it? That's a hard I don't question. know. Next, I'm just going to answer my own whatever question I want to answer now. Um, <laughs> You said about the book that you're working on at the moment. It's it's been a bit of a hassle for you. I hate it. I hate it. I hate her, the character in the book, and I think that's why I can't bring it home. It's eighty thousand words. It's not like it's not there. Yeah. I just am having a hard time connecting um, to the character, and I can't bring it home. And and how do you give a writer advice who's done this before? Right? Like I don't know. Like tell me. I'll I'll do what you tell me to do. You know, I'm I'm always interested in, in other people's processes like when you're but, stuck what do you do but you said you're quite secretive about your book so no i am secretive have... yeah no more it's basically about a it's it has a little bit to do with cancel culture it's about a reality star who uh who gets canceled has to start her life over and then of course she's got some secrets in her background and whatever but i think i wrote her so superficial wow. <laughs> which was fun at first yeah um, and now i'm like i hate you i would never talk to you if you're a real person never be your friend um, and that's a bit of a problem because if you hate the character, then I think your readers will too, honestly. But the, 
you can kind of yeah that does sometimes happen that you, you know you can write really dislikable characters but then people can end up liking that person because, <laughs> they, because, like, because they are so awful or because they're quite funny and you know if they've got a real but there needs to be a redeeming quality right like she's yeah. funny or she has some insight no she's none of those things <laughs> right have you thought about letting anybody else read it and if you're trusted um, I have but the book is such a mess that I think it would just confuse people like it really like when I say it's a cluster it's a it's a, it's a mess <laughs> I'm gonna uh, get there that's the thing I do know that I can finish a book um yeah. but you know it's it you think it gets easier it doesn't it really oh, doesn't does it no not at you all know? not at all I, I feel like more... I, I thought it was it would get easier like you get good at it but no every book is its own thing yeah, the one I'm writing at the moment, I'm on about my sixth rewrite and I still haven't got to the ending yet because I keep thinking of different things I want to do with it. And I finally found something that's going to pull it all together. And I've uh, taken about seven months before I found that. Oh my God. Well, that makes me feel a bit better because I think that's what's missing for me is that thing, that thing that's the heart of it, that that is the glue that makes the story the story, you know? Um, but I have to write my way there. And so 200,000 words later, <laughs> hundred thousand words later 80,000 clean 120 that's our mess wow. um this is where I, I know it's terrible anyway 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 well it's been it lovely was so good to talk it's been good talking to you very much make one day we will do this in person I think we will you know I really do think we will would you ever come to the U.S. um or like New York or anything for one of those conferences you should uh no <laughs> no <laughs> Yeah, probably not realistically. You know what? When the um, the International Thriller Awards, I was going over. Me and my husband, we booked tickets, and we were flying yeah, over. Yeah, but it was during the pandemic. Oh uh, no, it was still there. Was so I was nominated for one before that, a couple of years before oh, that. You were? Oh, okay, okay, okay. The, the day, the literally the night before that we were flying, I got ill, and I basically we were, I had this sickness and and horrible other bits bug, and no I said yeah. And we were even looking at buying adult nappies for me just in case on the plane. <laughs> it got that bad. And I was like, when it gets that bad, you can't be flying, can you? So yeah, you I be so other John went instead. And like, he spent four days just FaceTiming me from New York. And he's like, oh, I'm here now. Oh, look where I am now. Yeah, I made him go in on, on my behalf just in case I didn't win anymore. No, we will meet one. We will come face to face right. one. Well, then I'll have to come to you. I'll have to, I'll have to make my way across the pond. Okay, Which I'd deal. love to do. So, yeah, deal. Right. Okay. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Please visit alwaysauthors.com to learn about our other episodes. Always Authors is an exclusive production of Atomic Focus Entertainment.